Sojourn, Chapter 13, Montaleo. Friend of yours? the old man asked calmly. Gwenhyver, Drizzt explained. Big cat? Oh, yes, Drizzt answered. The old man eased his bowstring and let the arrow slowly slip, point down. He closed his eyes, tilted his head back, and seemed to fall within himself. A moment later, Drizzt noticed that Gwenhyver's ears came up suddenly, and the drow understood that this strange human was somehow making a telepathic link to the panther. Good cat, too, the old man said a moment later. Gwenhyver walked out from around the outcropping, sending the owl flapping away in a frenzy, and casually stalked past the old man, moving to stand beside Drizzt. Apparently, the panther had relinquished all concerns that the old man was an enemy. Drizzt considered Gwenhyver's actions curious, viewing them in the same manner as he had his own empathic agreement with the bear in the cave a season ago. Good cat, the old man said again. Driz leaned back against the stone and relaxed his grip on the spear. I am Montaleo, the old man explained proudly, as though the name should carry some weight with the drow. Montaleo de Brucci. Well met and farewell, Driz said flatly. If we are done with our meeting, then we may go our own ways. We may, Montaleo agreed. If we both choose to. Am I your prisoner once more? Driz asked with a bit of sarcasm in his voice. The sincerity of Montaleo's ensuing laughter brought a smile to the drow's face despite his cynicism. Mine? the old man asked incredulously. No, no, I believe we have settled that issue. But you have killed some minions of Grohl this day, a deed that the Orc King will want punished. Let me offer you a room at my castle. The Orcs will not approach the place. He showed a wry smile and bent over toward Drizzt with a whisper, as if to keep the next words a secret between them. They will not come near me, you know. Montaleo pointed to his strange eyes. They believe me to be a bad magic because of my... Montaleo struggled for the word that would convey the thought, but the guttural language was limited, and he soon grew frustrated. Drizzt silently recounted the course of the battle, then his jaw dropped open in undeniable amazement as he realized the truth of what had transpired. The old man was indeed blind. The owl, circling over enemies and hooting, had led his shots. Drizzt looked around at the slain giant and orc, and his jaw did not close. The old man hadn't missed. "'Will you come?' Montaleo asked. "'I would like to gain the—' Again, he had to search for an appropriate term. "'Purposes. A dark elf would have to live a winter in a cave with Bluster the bear.' Montaleo cringed at his own inability to converse with the drow. But from the context— Driz could pretty much understand what the old man meant, even figuring out unfamiliar terms such as winter and bear. Orc King Grawl has ten hundred more fighters to send against you, Montalia remarked, sensing that the drow was having a difficult time considering the offer. 
I will not come with you, Pierce declared at length. The drow truly wanted to go, wanted to learn a few things about this remarkable man. But too many tragedies had befallen those who had crossed Driz's path. Gwenhyver's low growl told Driz that the panther did not approve of his decision. I bring trouble, Driz tried to explain to the old man, to the panther, and to himself. You would be better served, Montelio de Brucci, to keep away from me. Is that a threat? No, a warning, Driz replied. If you take me in, if you even allow me to remain near you, then you will be doomed, as were the farmers in the village. Montelio perked his ears up at the mention of the distant farming village. He'd heard that one family in Maldabar had been brutally killed and that a ranger, Dove Falconhan, had been called in to help. I do not fear doom, Montelio said, forcing a smile. I have lived through many fights, Drizduarden. I have fought in a dozen bloody wars and spent an entire winter trapped on the side of a mountain with a broken leg. I've killed a giant with only a dagger and befriended every animal for five thousand steps in every direction. Do not fear for me. Again came that wry smile. But then, Montelio said slowly, it is not for me that you fear. Trist felt confused and a bit insulted. You fear for yourself, Montelio continued, undaunted. Self-pity? It does not fit one of your prowess. Dismiss it and come along with me. If Montelio had seen Driz scowl, he would have guessed the forthcoming answer. Gwenhyver did notice it, and the panther bumped hard into Driz's leg. From Gwenhyver's reaction, Montelio understood the drow's intent. "'The cat wants you to come along,' he remarked. "'It'll be better than a cave,' he promised. "'And better food than a half-cooked fish.' Driz looked down at Gwenhyver, and again the panther bumped him, this time voicing a louder and more insistent growl with the action. Driz remained adamant, reminding himself pointedly by conjuring an image of carnage from the farmhouse far away. "'I will not come,' he said firmly. "'Then I must name you as an enemy and a prisoner,' Montelio roared, snapping his bow back up in a ready position. "'Your cat will not aid you this time, Driz Duarden.' Montelio leaned in and flashed his smile and whispered, the cat agrees with me. It was too much for Drizzt. He knew that the old man wouldn't shoot him, but Montelio's flaky charm soon wore away the drow's mental defenses, considerable though they were. What Montelio had described as a castle turned out to be a series of wooden caves dug around the roots of huge and tightly packed evergreens. Lean-tos of woven sticks furthered the protection and somewhat linked the caves together and a low wall of stacked rocks ringed the whole complex. As Driz neared the place, he noticed several rope and wood bridges crossing from tree to tree at various heights, with rope ladders leading up to them from the ground level and with crossbows securely mounted at fairly regular intervals. The drow didn't complain that the castle was of wood and dirt, though. 
Drizzt had spent three decades in Menzoberranzan, living in a wondrous castle of stone and surrounded by many more breathtakingly beautiful structures, but none of them seemed as welcoming as Montalio's home. Birds chittered their welcome at the old ranger's approach. Squirrels, even a raccoon, hopped excitedly among the tree branches to get near him, though they kept their distance when they noticed that a huge panther accompanied Montalio. "'I have many rooms,' Montalio explained to Drizzt. "'Many blankets and much food.' Montalio hated the limited goblin tongue. He had so many things he wanted to say to the drow, and so many things he wanted to learn from the drow. This seemed impossible, if not overly tedious, in a language so base and negative in nature, not designed for complex thoughts or notions. The goblin tongue sported more than a hundred words for killing and for hatred, but not a one for higher emotions such as compassion. The goblin word for friendship could be translated to mean either a temporary military alliance or servitude to a stronger goblin, and neither definition fit Montalio's intentions toward the lone dark elf. The first task, then, the ranger decided, was to teach this drow the common tongue. We cannot speak. There was no word for properly in goblin, so Montalio had to improvise. Well, in this language, he explained to Drizzt. But it will serve us as I teach you the tongue of humans, if you wish to learn. Drizzt remained tentative in his acceptance. When he had walked away from the farming village, he had decided that his lot in life would be as a hermit, and thus far he had done pretty well, better than he had expected. The offer was tempting, though, and on a practical level, Drizzt knew that knowing the common tongue of the region might keep him out of trouble. Montalio's smile nearly took in the ranger's ears when the drow accepted. Hooter, the owl, however, seemed not so pleased with the drow, or, more particularly, with the drow's panther about. The owl would be spending less time in the comforts of the evergreen's lower boughs. "'Cousin, Montalio de Brucci has taken the drow in,' an elf cried excitedly to Calendal. All the group had been out searching for Drizzt's trail since the winter had broken. With the drow gone from Dead Orc Pass, the elves, particularly Kalendil, had feared trouble, and feared that the drow had perhaps taken in with Grawl and his orc minions. Kalendil jumped to his feet, hardly able to grasp the entirety of the news. He knew of Montalio, the legendary if somewhat eccentric ranger, and he knew too that Montalio, with all of his animal contacts, could judge intruders quite accurately. When? How? Kalendal asked, barely knowing where to begin. If the drow had confused him through the previous months, the surface elf was thoroughly flustered now. A week ago, the other elf answered. I know not how it came about, but the drow now walks in Montalio's grove, openly and with his panther beside him. Is Montalio? the other elf interrupted Kalendil seeing where his line of concern was heading. Montalio is unharmed and in control, he assured Kalendal. He has taken in the drow of his own accord, it would seem, and now it appears that the old ranger is teaching the dark elf the common tongue. Amazing, was all that Kalendal could reply. We could set a watch over Montalio's grove, the other elf offered, if you fear for the old ranger's safety. No, Kalendal replied. 
No, the drow once again has proven himself no enemy. I have suspected his friendly intentions since I encountered him near Maldabar. Now I am satisfied. Let us get on with our own business, and leave the drow and the ranger to theirs. The other elf nodded his agreement, but a diminutive creature listening outside of Kalendil's tent was not so certain. Tifanus came into the elven camp nightly to steal food and other items that would make him more comfortable. The sprite had heard of the dark elf a few days earlier, when the elves had resumed their search for Drizzt, and he had taken great pains to listen to their conversations ever since, as curious as any about the whereabouts of the one who had destroyed Ulgulu and Kemfana. Tifanus shook his floppy-eared head violently. Drat the day when that one returned, he whispered, sounding somewhat like an excited bumblebee. Then he ran off, his little feet barely touching the ground. Tifanus had made another connection in the months since Ulgulu's demise, another powerful ally that he did not want to lose. Within minutes, he found Karok, the great silver-haired winter wolf, on the high peak that they called their home. The drow is with the ranger, Tifanus spouted, and the canine beast seemed to understand. Beware of that one, I say. He's the one who killed my former master. Dead. Karak looked down the wide expanse to the mountain that held Monteleo's grove. The winter wolf knew the place well, and he knew well enough to stay away from it. Monteleo de Brucci was friends with all sorts of animals, but winter wolves were more monster than animal, and no friends of rangers. Tifanus, too, looked Monteleo's way worried that he might again have to face the sneaky drow. The mere thought of encountering that one again made the little sprite's head ache, and the bruise from the plowshare had never completely gone away. As winter eased into spring over the next few months, so did Drizzt and Montelio ease into their friendship. The common tongue of the region was not so very different from the goblin tongue, more of a shift of inflection and alteration of complete words, and Driz caught on to it quickly, even learning how to read and write. Montelio proved a fine teacher, and by the third week he spoke to Driz exclusively in the common tongue and scowled impatiently every time Driz reverted to using goblin to get a point across. For Driz, this was a fun time, a time of easy living and shared pleasures. Montelio's collection of books was extensive, and the drow found himself absorbed in adventures of the imagination, in dragon lore, and accounts of epic battles. Any doubts Drizzt might have had were long gone, as were his doubts about Monteleo. The shelter in the evergreens was indeed a castle, and the old man as fine a host as Drizzt had ever known. Drizzt learned many more things from Monteleo during his first weeks, practical lessons that would aid him for the rest of his life. Montelio confirmed Driz's suspicions about a seasonal weather change, and even taught Drizzt how to anticipate the weather from day to day by watching the animals, the sky, and the wind. In this, too, Driz caught on quickly, as Montelio had suspected he would. Montelio never would have believed it until he'd witnessed it personally, but this unusual drow possessed the demeanor of a surface elf, perhaps even the heart of a ranger. "'How did you calm the bear?' Montelio asked one day a question that had nagged at him since the very first day he had learned that Drizzt and Bluster were sharing a cave. Drizzt honestly did not know how to answer, for he still did not understand what had transpired in that meeting. The same way you calmed Gwenhyver when first we met, the drow offered at length. 
Montalio's grin told Drizzt that the old man understood better than he. Heart of a ranger, Montalio whispered as he turned away. With his exceptional ears, Drizzt heard the comment, but he didn't fully comprehend. Drizzt's lessons came faster as the days rolled on. Now, Montalio concentrated on the life around them, the animals and the plants. He showed Drizzt how to forage and how to understand the emotions of an animal simply by watching its movements. The first real test came soon after, when Drizzt, shifting the outward branches of a berry bush, found the entrance to a small den and was properly confronted by an angry badger. Hooter in the sky above issued a series of cries to alert Montalio, and the ranger's first instinct was to go and help his drow friend. Badgers were probably the meanest creatures in the region, even above the orcs, quicker to anger than bluster the bear, and quite willing to take the offensive against any opponent no matter how large. Montalio stayed back, though, listening to Hooter's continual descriptions of the scene. Driz's first instinct sent his hand flashing to his dagger. The badger reared and showed its wicked teeth and claws, hissing and sputtering a thousand complaints. Drizzt eased back, even put his dagger back in its sheath. Suddenly, he viewed the encounter from the badger's point of view, knew that the animal felt overly threatened. Somehow, Drizzt then further realized that the badger had chosen this den as a place to raise its soon-coming litter of pups. The badger seemed confused by the drow's deliberate motions. Late in term, the expected mother did not want to fight, and as Drizzt carefully slipped the berry bush back into place to conceal the den, the badger eased down to all fours, sniffed the air so that it would remember the dark elf's scent, and went back into its hole. When Drizzt turned around, he found Montalio smiling and clapping. Even a ranger would have been hard put to calm a riled badger, the old man explained. The badger was with pups, Drizzt replied. She wanted to fight less than I. And how did you know that? Montalio asked though he did not doubt the drow's perceptions. Driz started to answer, then realized that he could not. He looked back to the berry bush, then to Montalio helplessly. Montalio laughed loudly and returned to his work. He who had followed the ways of the goddess Myliki for so many years knew what was happening, even if Driz did not. The badger could have ripped you, you do know, the ranger said wryly when Driz moved beside him. She was with pups, Driz reminded him, and not so large a foe. Montalio's laughter mocked him. Not so large, the ranger echoed. Trust me, Driz, you would rather tangle with bluster than with a mother badger. Driz only shrugged in response, having no arguments from the more experienced man. Do you really believe that that puny knife would have been any defense against her? Montalio asked, now wanting to take the discussion in a different direction. Drizzt regarded the dagger, the one he'd taken from the sprite. Again, he could not argue. The knife was indeed puny. He laughed both to and at himself. It's all that I have, I fear, he replied. We shall see about that, the ranger promised, then said no more about it. Montalio, for his calm and confidence, knew well the dangers of the wild, mountainous region. The ranger had come to trust in Driz without reservation. Montalio roused Driz shortly before sunset and led the drow to a wide tree in the northern end of the grove. 
A large hole, almost a cave, lay at the base of the tree, cunningly concealed by shrubs and a blanket colored to resemble the tree trunk. As soon as Montalio pushed this aside, Drizzt understood the secrecy. An armory? the drow asked in amazement. You fancy the scimitar, Montalio replied, remembering the weapon Drizzt had broken on the stone giant. I have a good one, too. He crawled inside and fished about for a while, then returned with a fine curving blade. Drizzt moved into the hole to survey the marvelous display of weapons as the ranger exited. Montalio possessed a huge variety of weapons, from ornamental daggers to great bardish axes to crossbows, light and heavy, all polished and cared for meticulously. Set against the back of the inner tree trunk, running up into the tree were a variety of spears, including one metal-shafted ransoor, a ten-foot-long pike with a long and pointed head, with two smaller barbs sticking out the sides near the tip. "'Do you prefer a shield or perhaps a dirk for your other hand?' Montalio asked when the drow, muttering to himself in sincere admiration, reappeared. "'You may have any but those bearing the taloned owl. That shield, sword, and helmet are my own.' Drizzt hesitated a moment, trying to imagine the blind ranger so outfitted for close melee. "'A sword,' he said at length. "'Another scimitar, if you have one.' Montalio looked at him curiously. Two long blades for fighting?' he remarked. You would likely tangle yourself up in them, I would guess. It's not so uncommon a fighting style among the drow, Drizzt said. Montalio shrugged, not doubting, and went back in. This one is more for show, I fear, he said as he returned, bearing an overly ornamental blade. You may use it if you choose, or take a sword. I've a number of those. Drizzt took the scimitar to measure its balance. It was a bit too light and perhaps a bit too fragile. The drow decided to keep it, though, thinking its curving blade a better complement to his other scimitar than a straight and cumbersome sword. "'I will care for these as well as you have,' Driz promised, realizing how great a gift the human had given him. "'And I will use them,' he added, knowing that Montalio truly wanted to hear. "'Only when I must.' "'Then pray that we may never need them, Driz to Arden.' Montalia replied, "'I have seen peace, and I have seen war, and I can tell you I prefer the former. Come now, friend, there are so many more things I wish to show you.' Drizzt regarded the scimitars one final time, then slipped him into the sheaths on his belt and followed Montalio. With summer fast approaching and with such fine and exciting companionship, both the teacher and his unusual student were in high spirits, anticipating a season of valuable lessons and wondrous events. How diminished their smiles would have been if they'd known that a certain orc king, angered at the loss of ten soldiers, two wargs, and a valued giant ally, had its yellow bloodshot eyes scanning the region, searching for the drow. The big orc was beginning to wonder if Drizzt had gone back to the Underdark, or had taken in with some other group, perhaps with the small elven bands known to be in the region, or with the damnable blind ranger, Montalio. If the drow was still in the area, Grawl meant to find him. The orc chieftain took no chances, and the mere presence of the drow constituted a risk.